Mike Lyons, military analyst. Mike served with various military organizations, both uh, domestically and throughout the world, throughout his career, served with uh, great distinction as a respected military analyst. Mike, how are you, sir? Hi, guys. Great to be back with you today. Thanks. You know, there are some developments in the last couple of days we could talk about, but let's go big picture. Six months in, where are we? Yeah, big picture. Uh, you know, it's kind of like going to boil the ocean down here quickly for you because if you look at um, domains, you look at from a military perspective, uh, land, uh, air, sea, uh, cyber, and uh, let's say communication propaganda. Not a single one of those domains does Russia control. We thought six months ago this was going to be over, this illusion of a short war, a short battle. That That is taking place throughout history. Uh, six months now into this, Russia has not any control over any of those domains. Uh, in fact, it, it's stalemated in, in each and every one of them. And, uh, and now we perceive to both sides, you know, really digging in. The winter is going to start. And now you're seeing things of, uh, of expansion with regard to what's, what's Europe going to do. You, you, I saw reports about European countries, possibly Poland, possibly Ukraine, helping them destroy the Nord Stream pipelines. We're getting into economic, uh, you know, kind of statecraft with regard to sanctions that, that are going to exist on Russia. But, but to kind of, again, boil it down, uh, Russia did not expect to be where it is right now, six months on Ukraine Independence Day. They thought they have full control of Ukraine uh, well by this point. And I've heard reports that we, the West, uh, the NATO, whomever, uh, we're furnishing the Ukrainians with increasingly sophisticated weapon systems, accurate artillery to 50 miles. What should we know about that? We are, and all that is good, but what's happened, Russia has learned, and finally, and they're starting to dig in. This is now taking the shape of, again, what we've seen wars in the past of, of trench warfare, and They've been able to protect themselves from, from these weapon systems. It, it, it gives the Ukraine military at least uh, an advantage uh, that they don't have in numbers, that they'll never have in numbers. And this is why, from a war of attrition perspective, Russia could just grind this away. They could just grind this down and just keep this going until both sides are exhausted. Look how long World War One lasted, four years of basically this kind of thing. Um, you don't, I don't see Russia stopping right now. If they wanted to, they should stop, build a border, try to keep the land that they've, they've taken, which is why Ukraine would have to say that they've, they've been at a loss. Uh, but, but again, from on the ground, from a conventional perspective, uh, Russia thought this was going to go a lot, a lot better than it has. Uh, they still own it now about one fifth of that landmass, but, uh, and some highly, uh, really areas of industrial strength that, uh, that will help Russia if they can keep it and maintain it. Yeah, so President Zelensky said, I think it was yesterday, very forcefully, that we will take back all that land, including Crimea, and we will not stop until we've accomplished that. Right. Um, what do you right. think of, the, of that? That's a pretty powerful statement. It is, and it's going to only take place with a regular warfare because they just don't have the conventional forces to run a 2,500-kilometer front, which is really what would exist right now. Um, Russia does. They've got some capacity, and now they're even on the defense in some areas there. So uh, the fact that they're bombing into Crimea ammo dumps, uh, we saw Russia now starting to store some ammunition at Zepaparisa. That's that uh, nuclear power plant. They're going to use that as a way to try to protect in, in some of their military assets. But that's just the thing. Russia is not going to stop. Ukraine's not going to stop. The winter's coming. And, um, you know, we have to see what actually uh, Western Europe does, if they're going to cave, get weak at the knees when it comes to buying Russia oil and gas. Mm. Uh, if they keep making dumb decisions about the outsourcing their energy, then they have everything you know coming to them. 
Military analyst Mike Lyons on the line. Mike, the point you made about a war of attrition and Russia's advantage there is undeniable. But at the same time, uh, they they have already proven their lack of adequacy as a fighting force, the lack of discipline and training and equipment among their people. Um, What's Russia's next step if indeed this war grinds on for another God knows how long? Right. They've proven real incompetence on the ground, their inability to take care and manage their, their troop levels and, and their soldiers. The leadership is awful. Uh, they, they can't uh, keep morale in the units. But what they have is artillery. And artillery is called king of battle for a reason. And that artillery is going to hold off any Ukrainian attempts to kind of claw back any of some of this land there because uh, they outgun them likely 10 to 1. Now, well, we've given them missile systems and things that are highly accurate. Um, there's a principle of war called mass that still Russia still owns in this case because of the size of its country. So um, they're 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 going to use that to their advantage. They're not going to run out of ammunition anytime soon. Uh, they'll likely start conscripting more troops to be thrown into the fodder. Uh, we saw from from March they conscripted some. Would likely see them start to come uh, in the next couple of months as uh, as both sides just really really dig in. At this point, it's going to be. I, I think you're going to see more like a World War One trench warfare. Yeah, you need, I look at these daily battle reports, and they, they literally move feet and yards at a time. They're not taking any large cities. There's no major offensive operations taking place. It's, it's now coming down to trench warfare. Man, that's uh, that sounds ugly. What, what's your, uh, this is opinion stuff, what's your opinion on are we giving Ukraine enough stuff fast enough? I think so. Um, and the more, you know, billions of dollars on the way there, I think we're doing all we can, but we can't give them what they really need, and that's an army. We can't give them the man and material and, and, and that goes with it. Um, I know folks that are flying over there, helping them with training, virtual reality training. Every single, every single let's, call, let's call battlefield accelerant is being put there. But, uh, but to quote, you know, the old Roman legions, until you're willing to put your, your people in the mud, nothing's really going to happen. So what, what they need is an army. They need 250,000 troops. Uh, they need that level of manpower. We can throw all the technology at them is a combat multiplier, but, um, but from their perspective, they, they're just short on, on people, and that's really where this Russia does have the advantage, and that's where this war of attrition will just potentially grind them out still. Final uh, question for me, Mike, and it's kind of a personal request. Uh, amidst my life of the endless consumption of dreary, endless, depressing news articles, I've rededicated myself to reading books. Uh, do you have a favorite book? about a particular military conflict or war or, or military conflict in general uh, that you think the, the folks would find enjoyable or, or edifying? Oh, boy, great question. I, I've got a lot of them. One that's I'd imagine, yeah. Right away. Yeah, I, I am, I'm, I'm actually listening to one right now called The, you know, the, the Battle of War. And I, one that comes to mind that to me is that it's called The Heights of Courage. It's by a guy named Avador Kahalani. And it's about uh, the Israeli conflict uh, in the 70s and, and what took place in the Israeli army and what they did to, from, from their technology perspective to overcome the numerically superior Arab force they were fighting. Um, all of the things that go into small unit tactics. I, I, I'm a small unit tactics guy. I come in on the ground at the lowest level. And, well, I have lots of general officer friends that, you know, that kind of sat in the talks and kind of watched things go. And I was in the execution phase of the army when, when I was doing it. And so when I, when I read that book, I just, you know, got you, it gets you inside the tank. It gets you inside those firing mechanisms and the decisions that had to be made in split seconds and the amount of courage it took from the Israeli 
army to, to defend, uh, especially on the Golan Heights there. So that, that's one of my favorites, The Heights of Courage. It's an old book, but it's really, it's really worth history. And, and I think so many things today actually go back to it. I think Ukraine is, is very similar to those Arab-Israelis wars in the 70s based on uh, the surprise attack aspect of it, based on being outnumbered by a numerically superior force, but using technology in order to try to overcome that, uh, that disadvantage. Terrific. Great stuff. Mike Lyons, military analyst. Mike, we appreciate it so much. Thanks. Great, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that's good stuff. I hadn't heard anybody say that, but it makes a lot of sense. If you're gonna if you're gonna try to draw comparisons, you know, stay away from World War One or two or various places and go with the Arab Israeli conflict. Massively outnumbered. Uh, surrounded. Surrounded, yeah. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 